everyone. Welcome back to College Football Uncensored. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, is my co-host and colleague, Chris Marler. Chris, are you still what? offended that I call you the co-host? No, that's better than what you usually call me. You you say, like, the other guy or, like, the other host or something like that. Yeah, that's true. How you been, man? Uh, I feel like better than you. I yes. am knee-deep in... Well, hopefully our boss isn't listening to this, but we got through some episodes of Law & Order SVU this weekend. Well, it was a holiday weekend, so we're allowed to watch SVU. So I've been watching that. Also, other big um, developments in my life. Also started watching Chicago PD. Now, if you're not familiar with it, it's just like Law & Order SVU. Is that everyone's hot. Like, every single person is hot. The ugliest person on the show is Henry Rowan Gardner's mom from Rookie of the Year. So there's a lot of stuff out there I'd like to talk about. There's just, you know... Um, she has to be in her 70s now. <laughs> so this is funny because Jay Woody actually actually pointed this out. He was like, I was like, listen, everyone on this show is too hot to be a cop. It's absurd. And like whoever's doing the lineups on like their oh, beards yeah. and like their their haircuts, it's like they're doing it in between fucking takes. It's it's incredible. Okay? Immaculate. It's immaculate. OK, the vibes are immaculate. The The hairlines are immaculate. It's incredible. And I was like, man, everybody on this show is way too hot to be a cop. And Jay Woody, of course, I've never even seen him on Twitter. All of a sudden comes out of nowhere. It's like, I'm glad someone said it. That's my Jay Woody. And it's it's a picture of this old gray-haired woman who works the front desk. And that's Henry Rowan Gardner's mom. She doesn't look bad for 70. <laughs> she, I don't know if she's actually 70. I just threw that out there. Well, let me look, it look up. that up. Yeah. Anyway, but I feel like I'm doing better than you because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm you doing seem horribly. Like you're, <laughs> you're constantly busy. <laughs> yeah. We. Um, apologies to the listeners, by the way. You know, I I know when I listen to podcasts, I like them to come out on the same day of the week every week. Yeah. I can. She's personally... only sixty-two. So you before go. you start talking about your family or whatever. Um. <clears throat> I'll, I'll take the blame myself because it's clearly my fault. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I underestimated the amount of work went into that goes into <laughs> having uh, a newborn with a, a two year old. It, it has been a lot. Not a lot of sleep. Um, you know, the the good part when you have your first kid is that they sleep during the day, so that's when you take your naps from being up all night. But when you have a two year old, you don't get that opportunity. So there's not a lot right. of sleep going on. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little hoarse right now. Things are tough. But I'm here. I'm ready to battle. Yeah. Let's do this. Well, what's funny too is um uh like nobody thinks that I'm the responsible one of this this group. Um and and that's fair. That that's understandably so. Uh but the reason oh, hold on, I'm changing out headphones. Um as we because my other ones are low as we talk about being responsible. But anyway, um no one thinks I'm the responsible one, but I kept telling you before and I was like, I feel like you're gonna have a lot of stuff going on you're gonna be busy you're like no i got this dude we can do this and i was like are you sure because it's a whole human being not even a yeah. half of one it's a whole human being it's not like a centaur yeah i went into that with way too much confidence is everything okay over there what's that <laughs> did your ADD, did your add kick in there what happened? no <laughs> i did not it's my bad <laughs> All right, let's get into this thing because it's been a wild week with this yeah. NIL shit. Um, as of 7-1, so last week, college athletes are now finally able to monetize their right. name, image, and likeness without compromising their eligibility. And this this kind of shit goes back to, you know, 
probably until the end of time when when the NCAA got involved. But you know, the the most famous one, Reggie Bush. You know, he essentially had to give up his Heisman later down the, the road when he was in the NFL because of some marketing dollars he took. So we're going to talk about that too. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But the current form of the, the this new NIL policy, first of all, states took things into their own hands, and so they were going to do that no matter what the NCAA said. NCAA as we talk about ad nauseum, never makes the right decision at the right time. But they finally caved the day before NIL started on 7-1 and said, hey, look, we're going to put this interim policy in place. It's going to serve as a stopgap until there's some federal legislation that's passed on this. So, so many big as words of 7-1, you're midnight, athletes were off and running with this shit. It and was- that's a lie because it was well before that. Because because yeah. like literally at 12.01, Bo Nix, which is and like I bet he was so fucking mad because because it's like at twelve oh one he announced his partnership with Milo's Sweet Tea, right? It's obviously it had already been in the works. They had a video or whatever beforehand already done. You know he had already like gotten the money. Maybe he didn't have access to it until twelve oh one. I don't know. At the same time, I, I just have a hard time like thinking like man, if I was him, I'd been like man, like Auburn's basically in fucking Georgia. Like I don't want why do I have to wait until twelve oh one? We're in Central Time Zone for no reason. So I bet he was like frustrated, but yeah, it, it started happening like right off the bat. And I think that, so like, I was so excited for this. Cause we talked about it like during our last episode, which was, listen, um, this is all going to happen. The next couple of days are going to be like a shit show, right? It's going to be like just wild, wild West. Like, cause it's stuff that we've never seen before. Right. Like openly. Yeah. Okay. We've seen 30 for 30 docs. We've read, we've read stories. We've read message boards and shit like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, I heard, so, oh boy, I got thunder rolling back here. Oh God. Not the Garth Brooks song either. Um, but there's like, you know, you know, hell, I got an, I got an email from like an anonymous person. I'm not going to say his name a couple of weeks ago. That was like, Hey, listen, this PAC 12 program, and I'm not going to say their name and put them on blast, but they are the rival of my fiance's alma mater. Okay. I'll wow. just say that. Yeah. I'll put them on blast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we're talking about Oregon. <laughs> yeah. And so he was like, listen, like what they're doing is, and this is, this is something that we know goes on in college football. But it was like they're going around and leaving giant duffel bags, not giant, but they're leaving duffel bags full of cash. And then they're calling up recruits and they're like, hey, we're going to send you on a, on a map, like a treasure <laughs> map. <laughs> it's just, it's a Goonies thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's like, listen, if you find One Eyed Willie's treasure, you're going to get $20,000 and a scholarship offer. So, but like, but he was telling me about this and, and I, I fully believed it just knowing the scope of what happens in college football, right? At the same time, I was like, well, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit odd because it's like maybe far-fetched because it's around there on the south. Maybe it's like sour grapes, people complaining about it. Bro, like a week later, Oregon signs this four-star linebacker out of Montgomery. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like that's so, but so I only say that because now they're not having to be so coy about it. And like, you know, just like, like what's the word I'm looking for? Deceiving. I was gonna say deceivious. Yeah, like, like covert. Like, yeah. Yeah. Deceivious. <laughs> discreet word yeah. uh yeah discreet and so like it's it's fun to see but it is a totally new thing and one thing that's interesting about it is one now that like i think it's dennis dodd put it today the toothpaste is out of like the actual tube you can't put that shit back in like you can't start retroactively putting rules in place because you've already allowed such and such to happen right I don't. I was. I don't know how they're going to put this in regulator. They're going to be able to regulate this moving forward, or if they even will. But I was. I was genuinely surprised the amount of money some of these kids are getting and who they're getting it from. I'm also surprised at what some of them think that they can get. 
Matt Corral, we're talking to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. very surprising. So my, my first thing that we all want to be on the side of the athlete. I mean, you know, and, and some of it maybe is, is virtue signaling sometimes with people. Yeah. With these kids, they got to get paid, blah, blah, blah. But do you think this is going to become this? This obviously opens up Pandora's box here. I mean, do you think this is going to make these kids who, you know, they're anywhere from 18 to 22 years old and sometimes, you know, in Chris Winkie's case, they're 35. Um, do you think that they're going to become more focused on this stuff and how to make money and monetize than, than football? And is so, it, it's, it's going to change the game like convincingly, like uh, no, I don't think it's going to change the game convincingly. So what I do think is before the goal was like, you got to get to college, you got to get to the NFL and you're, you're working for all this different stuff. And, and I think there's going to be people that are, are, um, are sidetracked for sure. Right. Like they're going to be, they're going to be, you know, like if you're not a starter, you're not second string, you're not getting like valuable minutes. I, I think that you're going to have to see a even more of an effort probably from coaches to get them that playing time. If they want that attention at the same time, I don't think you're going to see kids like they're, they're there for a reason. And like whatever money they're getting now for the most part is pennies compared to what they're going to get if they get to the NFL. Right. right. And also this stuff all comes with a, with like a, you know, like an end date, right? This, this expires at some point, like just because you're getting like money from like raising canes now, like it has, you're not going to continue doing this if you don't make it to the next level, or if you have a bad season or whatever, like is in place, like make sure you sign a contract that's worthwhile because we've seen it happen in college football all the time. Like players get benched and, and players that are September Heisman front runners end up becoming, you know, like third or fourth round picks in, in like December, you know, after like, the end of the season. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't think we'll see, like, I don't think it's going to like crush the the spirit of like amateurism in um, in all of like college sports. There was a guy that was on fine by my tweet about this last week. And he, he actually said he felt like losing the, <laughs> losing the amateurism of college sports felt like he was losing his best friend. And that guy just hasn't had a real best friend. So that's not like, I don't think we're going to see anything that's like that dramatic. I will say I was also, it was hilarious watching the crowd that went from this, this is going only going to make these kids entitled and, and they shouldn't get paid money because of this and that. Like, and I'm not talking about like redneck fans that don't want them getting paid. I'm talking about like journalists in this business that are like, it's going to make these kids entitled. Have you never fucking been around a five-star recruit? That's got offers from every single like place in the country. Like, Oh, this is going to make them entitled. Not like the yeah. letters they've been getting and offers since they were fucking 14 years old. Like, shut the fuck up. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I think might be another follow, I, I just feel like, you know, a lot of times the sport is in a tough place because the bigger names are only getting bigger. They've got more money. Mm -hmm. It's, it seems like the parody issue um, in college football is, is a very big issue. That's going to have to get fixed. And I feel like, each time something new comes out, it's only helping the bigger schools. Transfer right. portal opened up, and it's like, okay, the best player from Montana, he was going, the best yeah. player in FCS, he's going to Clemson. Right. And, you know, the best player from XYZ is going to Bama and mm -hmm. help that out. Now, with this, I could also see, you know, if you've got a, a backup five star linebacker that feels like he's getting a little bit slighted on playing time, yeah, he could go transfer to West Virginia and start, but he could also stay at, Georgia and use Georgia's brand to monetize himself if he wants to go do, you know, and I get it. And, and part of the, the thing here is 
realistically, how many of these college football players are going to be making serious money? It's going to be the top 2%. Right. Right. So maybe it's not the backup linebacker can do that, but they can make money just by being the Georgia linebacker going on Twitch and playing video games where maybe at West Virginia, nobody gives a shit about that. You know what I mean? So, but okay. So here's the thing though. And I, I, I don't disagree with that sentiment and don't think that could happen, but I think you're going to see more parody in terms of, I'll never forget this. Like you, you, we talk, we joke about it all the time, like how I'm not great with money. Okay. So you don't nod your head. We fuck. I already said we agreed. I, I'm just agreeing. <laughs> so, Again. but I'm, I remember going to a game in Ole Miss and, and being there. I was with our boss, Kevin Duffy, and we're sitting there watching the game. And he brought up this. I, I said something about how, like, you know, it's crazy how much money there is here in like the SEC or in the South. And I'll never forget this. He said, he goes, there's money everywhere, Chris. Like, there, like there's money everywhere. Like, and I was like, okay, that's a good point. And like, and you think about like every place, every college town you're going to go to, is going to have local businesses. They're going to have like bigger businesses, like surrounding area. Like you're going to have in a lot of, in a lot of ways, I think you're going to have a lot more opportunity. If you are that five-star player to transfer out, to go to like fucking go to like a school. that's like in the Maction, like in the Mac or whatever. And, and like in, what is it? Like Athens, Ohio, I think is where, where Ohio university is. I'm sure there's a business there that's going to pay you something similar to what you would be getting paid at a UGA or something like that. If you're a backup, right? Like if you go mm-hmm. there and become a star, and you're, you know, fuck, you got a mullet or something like that. And you become some character like like we always see in college football. It's like, you know, you're a fucking like six year walk on white kid with a mullet, like whatever. Like there's there's just so much room for like characters, for people that we look up to, people that we like we like the kid from Tulsa. Like what's his name? Like uh, Tua Cravens, I think his name was. His name wasn't Tua. I made that part up for sure. Um, but like. That kid alone, like you know that he was able to make some, he would have been able to make some money in a place like Tulsa. I think you're gonna see more parody. I I think that what you also will end up seeing, Peter Burns talked about this the other day too, and he agreed, was you're gonna see stuff like we saw at Miami, which was we <laughs> day one, Derek King partners up with college hunk movers, which yeah. is like the like seventh tier moving company. And also, I've we've seen people move in our neighborhood with them. I've never seen a fucking attractive dude off that truck. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not saying that as like a hater. I'm saying that as like someone that has a top five attractive male actors list currently in his back pocket. So I'm just like, I was surprised not only that he got 20 grand, but that they had 20 grand to give to him, which is like surprising. But then you saw what Miami did as a team. Yeah. And they loaded up with this guy, this, this company that, and I don't remember the name of the company, but they basically it's like offered, MMA, right? I think it's like a training facility, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And and the guy obviously has to have money, or he wouldn't be spending this amount. But he offered all ninety scholarship players, right? All ninety of them, six thousand dollars a year, <laughs> to, a year yeah. to put this up. So it's it's just across the board, you've got five hundred and forty thousand dollars given to these players. And so I think you're going to end up seeing is you're going to see in a lot of the same ways we see with like Washington, like super PACs and shit like that, where it's like, you're going to see several companies join together, put in money together and then figure out a marketing plan or the school figure out a marketing plan of how they're going to allocate those dollars. And it'll probably be evenly a lot of times, but it's also like, how are we going to allocate you guys promoting each brand or what brands or what across what social media platform? Maybe there's like a division of like, this guy's going to do Instagram. This guy's going to do Twitter, like, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think you'll see a lot of that moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, these companies aren't dumb, you know, they, that yeah. college, college hunks moving junk. I mean, now they're, they, they paid 
you know, a $10,000 signing bonus, uh, $20,000 total Derek King. Will they get that same level, that dollar amount worth of promotion from him? I don't know, but they were talked about in the national media for a week. Yeah. That probably mm-hmm. was worth it. So it may not even have to do with, at least at the beginning stages of this, it may not even have anything to do with the player. It's just, hey, right. let's get our name out there. We're one of the first people to do this. So and the next question I have is, is these kids, they're going to find out quick. Maybe this isn't a question, more of a statement. Oh boy, they're probably not worth what they think they're worth at this point. I and I hate to say this because I, yeah. I don't want to get into this like negative mindset so quickly either. Like right off the bat, be like, well, you guess what? Like I, I hate that that whole group. It's like you know they shouldn't get paid, and then having any kind of negativity, like, well, you guys aren't worth that much. I think you're right. I think we're gonna see that very quickly because I mean. Darren Ravel always throws these numbers out there, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they're true or not because we've already talked about how I'm not great with money. But he'll say shit like, "I could see Arch Manning making ten million dollars," or he's like, "This yeah. this tweet talked about such and such, and that was worth one point yeah. seven million dollars in ad." We're like what? Like, yeah. how, are you just saying things? And it like going like off his Twitter, he probably is. So like, <laughs> but I mean, I but I think you're right, and I, I think that yeah, I just. Like a lot of these, like Kayvon Thibodeau, he got a hundred grand, right? Or six figures. We don't know exactly yeah. what it was. Okay, so yeah. he got a, he got six figures. At least hundred grand, right? Um, and again, this is like a this is great for a school like Oregon that doesn't have to hide behind the Phil Knight money they were already using for recruiting because that is how they built that program. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's like Clemson and, and the church. Yeah, it is a thousand percent like that. Okay, <laughs> um, it's. Like Bama did with the suit shop and other and other yeah. places like that. Like I like this is not free, a free shoes university. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so like we all know it's happening. Like that kid is going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. He's worth a hundred thousand dollars. When the cameo stuff started, which is yeah. God dang, and I hate to even. There, there might be some people that don't know what cameo is, so you may want to well, explain that. I don't want to say their name again because it's like a fucking bloody mary thing that we say if you turn the lights off and say the mirror. I've I looked up cameo stuff yesterday. And it's all that's on my Instagram feed. It's all that's on my Twitter feed now. Cameo is basically like you get a a minute long shout out, um, and you can do it for whatever. Like whether it's like, hey, I hope you have a great birthday. Or just this, I think the first famous one was when the guy from Sugar Ray was paid like hundred fifty dollars to break up with somebody, yeah. <laughs> some girl. Um, so, but it's it's a pretty cool site. It's like you know you can get a personalized message from these different people, and now so you're gonna see a lot of kids being able to do stuff like that. Um, like there was something similar to that, this company that, which is, again, you're going to see a lot more of this and you're also going to see him taking advantage of these kids, in my opinion, um, which is, hey, we have a company, we, we link you, we link athletes to opportunities, right? And it's like, you hang out with this kid for an hour, how much is that worth to you? And so Dear King, like there, there's several people on this list of like people you could hang out with. And it was like $1,000, $2,000. Mackenzie Milton was 2000 Yep. Excuse me. Um, Derek King was two thousand. Matt Corral was ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Who's paying that? I don't know. Ten thousand dollars for an hour appearance. I, I mean, mean, I just you know, and that's part of the the dark side of this is that these kids are probably I don't know where they're getting, I don't know where they're getting their advice. Yeah. Um, but certainly 10,000, I don't know who advised him to say, Hey, yeah, you just set your market price to 10,000, but that's going to have to come down. Okay. And this is, I don't know if we're still trying to keep this a secret or not, but like your, your real job is in finance. Yes. Right. So, Correct. 
Okay. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, this type of business pretty well, like, like, what do yeah. you think is going to happen with this? Well, just like everything, I mean, the demand is going to set the price. Right. And if you set, like, I could go out and say, hey, you know, I'm part of Saturday Down South and uh, I'm going to charge you guys $500 for me to come and give my autograph. And when no one signs up for that, I might have to adjust <laughs> that down to 50. Right. I mean, the demand for the player is going to set the market price. Yeah. So it's just like anything in finance. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen here. These kids will probably find out sooner than later that they're not going to get paid ten thousand dollars to do right. a, a signing appearance. Now, would Tim Tebow have made ten thousand? He would have made way that. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be. I wonder what this does to a locker room when you've got a guy yeah. that's that high care, uh, high profile. You know, a Manzel, a Tebow, a, a Reggie Bush, and you got these other kids that aren't making anything. You know, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch over time. That's why I think you have to, at some base level, you have to institute something with the school. Like, all right, we're going to get everyone something, right? Yeah. Like, like you have to have something base to get these kids something. Because, listen, you know how kids are. And, and like, kids are ruthless towards each other. And locker rooms aren't all best friends, guys. Like, like, yeah. like firsthand, like, locker rooms are not always all best friends. That being said, you know there's going to be jealousy because of the way things are. The way I don't want to sound old, but the way these fucking kids are on social media nowadays, with like like doing everything for clout and like trying mm -hmm. to constantly show out to other people, and like I mean, you see it with the Dodge Chargers when they weren't getting paid. And it's like you're getting twenty eight hundred dollars a month stipend, and I know they're getting paid under the table, but like, bro, are you how are you budgeting this? Like, you got these like you got new Jordans on, you got a Dodge Charger, everything you're doing is like for show. So I hope that they get taught how to keep this money and like how, how to like, you know, be good at investing their money and also like negotiating business and stuff like that. Because listen, I'm 35 and and this is not something that's like, like I'm, I'm not even saying this is a joke. I'm saying this as, it's like, I think the situation that I grew up in is probably similar to a decent amount of situations that college kids grew up in. And that is like, I didn't have a father figure teach me any of this shit. Okay. Yeah. Like I didn't have, I didn't have a father figure teach me any of this stuff. And he was around when I was in high school. Like I lived with him, yeah. but I didn't learn any of this stuff. Like, like I learned how to change a tire when I was like fucking 28. Right. Like, <laughs> like learn how to manage a checkbook at like 30 or something like that. It's like, <laughs> like it's stuff that we like joke around about, but it's like, you, you managed to, to, to man, or I'm sorry, you learned to manage a checkbook when checkbooks weren't even around anymore. Yeah, very fair. <laughs> Behind the times on everything. And so when you started that sentence, I thought it was going to be a compliment, but it was not. Um, no, no. So, so, but no, I mean, like, you know, and, and that's not, I'm not saying that as like a woe is me at all. I'm saying there's a lot of situations that, that kids, when you're growing up, if you miss out on learning what it takes to manage a checkbook, be a man, like, like be financially responsible, other things that fall under those categories, right? And it's not just like the father figures around, like sometimes it's like females or like mother figures that aren't around, whatever. But like what I remember when I was in college, I just kept pulling out student loans. I just kept pulling out student loans. And I got off easy on that because I want a fucking game show to pay them <laughs> off. Like for yeah. real. So like I was constantly just putting like more money, like nobody taught me anything different. And you know, credit card companies aren't going to do that. You know, student uh -huh. loan companies aren't going to do that. So I, I hope that, what really comes of this is these kids go into their their years after college, whether it's in the NFL or not, with an understanding of, hey, this is my value if I'm pitching myself as a business and what I'm what I'm worth. 
and, and really understanding that. And also I know how to manage this money because it's not always going to be there, you know? Right. Put this in another line of things that college coaches have to worry about now, you know, mm. The, the, with the transfer portal, it was like, now you got to re-recruit your same players every single year. And now it's like, now you got to manage egos. And like I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's like, this is going to happen where, you know, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau or Spencer Rattler is going to make six figures off of their name, engine likeness. And their teammate, who is a backup O-lineman, is going to make nothing. How and do God you manage forbid, that? Kayvon Thibodeau tweaks a hamstring and is out for two, three weeks. And his backup outperforms him or puts up more stats than him because then that's when the jealousy shit's going to start yeah so it, it's going to be interesting i mean look it, it it's it's the real world right i mean yeah. you 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 create your own value if you're a good player you should make more than people mm -hmm. other people but it's just when you when you get the real world like real work type stuff happening with 18 19 year olds yeah. it's going to be pretty interesting to track now there's been a lot of nil deals that have gone down um I mentioned, we already mentioned Spencer Rattler and Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh -huh. Spencer Rattler, um, to be quite honest, I've never met him, Chris. Never met Spencer Seems Rattler. Like a pretty big asshole. From what, <laughs> from what I've heard, uh, not the, the nicest of guys. I can't, this is uh, allegedly, okay? Yeah. But uh, he went ahead and I saw Sam Howell did the same thing, hired an actual agent to help yeah. with NIL representation. So now this agent's going out and landing deals for him. He just signed with Raising Canes. No free ads here. We're just reporting news. Right. I did see that he announced that he'll donate a portion of his NIL revenue to communities and people in need. Love that. I don't know if that's a very, very tiny percentage or not, but no, good for him. Way, no, doing, like, cool. like we don't know him and, and I'm, this is all like basically reports. And like, listen, if I was a, if I was like the preseason Heisman favorite, I would be a giant asshole. I'm not saying he is necessarily, even though I said he seems like one, I'm just saying, but I, I would be. <laughs> so uh spencer rattler is already starting to, to rack up on some deals Kayvon thibodeau dn from oregon partnered up with phil knight from nike and an artist named tinker hatfield which i'm not big in the art game but i think that's a big name in the art game um, yeah tink yeah t big old yeah. tink uh he created a piece of art made on an ipad which is uh, part of this memorabilia deal that thibodeau signed for quote unquote six-figure deal don't know what that is but it's funny it's funny real quick it's funny how like like miles brennan also got a deal with with uh raising canes from lsu mm -hmm. spencer rattler oklahoma raising canes yeah they had malachi moore and bo nicks get the sweet tea deal all that shit in the southeast sweet tea and yeah. fried chicken and then you have Kayvon thibodeau up in fucking oregon is like well, why don't we do some art here <laughs> yeah right that's a uh, very stereotypical um, yeah. um uh, Florida State quarterback McKenzie Milton is becoming the first collegiate athlete with an NFT. Chris, we've already talked about NFTs previously, so I don't need to explain God. again yeah. what it is. Probably do. Um, yeah. But it sounds like Derek King is going to have his own by the end of July, and mm -hmm. then your boy Kool Aid McKinstry whoop, plans whoop. on getting one as well. By the way, if he doesn't sign up with Kool Aid, I, it's, it hasn't happened yet. I, it should have happened yesterday. I it mean, should have happened day one. You're right. Um, a pretty interesting thing here, uh, Mackenzie Milton and Derek King, while they might be rivals on the field, have paired up off the field to co-found a company called Dreamfield, which is a company that actually helps collegiate athletes set up speaking appearances yeah. and autograph signings, which is where we're getting some of those quotes from like Matt Corral and, and other athletes that are uh, you know, trying to basically get their name out there. So pretty, pretty interesting deal. I don't think Mackenzie Milton has a future in the NFL. Uh, so he's kind of setting himself up for the next stage of his life what, by doing that. Um, 
my favorite one thus far, and there's a couple in here, um, but is the Michigan State kicker. I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> um, and I could definitely see if we sign an athlete, which we're trying to, we've been putting out on social media, what so, what athlete should we be working with? Yeah. I think one reached out to us, which was a college golfer. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know if we're going to sign Brazil. that guy. Well, I saw it like eight days after he sent it, and now I feel bad. Um, but uh, it was this was great. So there's a there's a podcast. We won't. I guess it's part of his tweet, so I have to quote it. But it's the Locked On Spartans podcast. No, his tweet. <laughs> this is fantastic, by the way. And this is what I I would want someone to do for our podcast. Right. Um, the tweet was this. This is verbatim quote. This is a paid tweet to tell you to listen to the Locked On Spartans podcast. I've never listened to it, but I'm sure it's not terrible. End quote. <laughs> that was the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and it's funny too, is we saw, so like, I, I saw this happen with one of my buddies, Chris Gordy. He's one, one of my good friends. He's actually going to be on the show here in a couple weeks. We do the LSU, uh, um, what do you call it, preview. Um, but he has a Locked On SEC podcast. It's fantastic. It's really good mm-hmm. stuff. If you guys are looking for like SEC content, it comes out every single day. Um, it's no free ads, but I love him to death. So, like, you know, and he does an incredible shaggy. Ours. Like, yeah. You listen to this and then you can go listen to that. If you and hopefully we'll all be in, uh, Hoover for the, for media days. Cause he does the most spot on shaggy impersonation you've ever heard on a karaoke night. It's incredible. Like I was like hammered last, last time we did it, but and I, I wasn't facing him, but I was like, did fucking shaggy just walk in here? It was incredible. Uh, anyway, but he had to be clear. Well. I think you just said this, but I, I was barely paying attention. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy, the R and uh, the reggae singer, or yeah, not the Shaggy. pothead, like the one that found ghosts and shit like that. With, with it wasn't dog. him. Yeah, no. Yep. <laughs> See what good. I did there? Yeah, that's good. Um. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that's, I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. Um. Good dad joke, man. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm so really, anyway, the more but, kids like, you have, the better you get at those jokes. That's what I heard. So he 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 brought that up. He had uh, Mike Jones from uh, LSU do it. Who? Don't, don't God. Jesus. Sorry. Um, I like how instead of saying GD, like I was told not to, every time I do it, I say God, Jesus. So that's not. Yeah, you just invoke the Lord. It's fine. <laughs> um, anyway. So, I, yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. What's what's fun is like we're definitely going to do one. And I'm hoping we'll just get a budget to do it because otherwise I know a thousand percent like money I, I would have spent on gambling. I'll still spend on gambling during the season. But whatever I win We'll probably go back to this. And like, I, I just, I'm looking forward to today because y'all know us. Like, this is not, we're not trying to be big J journalists. I can't wait for like the, the, like a Sunday morning or like for you, like a Thursday morning where one of us wakes up and the other one had been drinking heavily the night before. And so like, you're like, it's like a Thursday morning meeting for you. And you're like, Chris, what, yeah. the, what is this? And it's like a, it's like a three minute voicemail me saying like, I got Alabama's punter. He's going to be sponsoring us. I paid him $78 on cameo. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There's some cool stuff. You know, there's this yoke gaming that's, that's signing a ton of players, both football and basketball to just basically play video games with fans, which I'll tell you what, man, that's pretty, I'm officially putting out my resume for yoke gaming. Like, if you yeah. guys want to play video games with me, like you guys want to play some some Fortnite, you guys want to play some. You play Fortnite? NBA two K? Hell yeah, brother! You're Hell so right. <laughs> um, nah, it's it's a game for like ten year olds. Yeah. Um, 
are you know breaking tea who we're very familiar yeah, with. yeah i love breaking tea they announce a program where athletes can sign up and they do something big they can make a shirt and make passive income off of it so which like to speak to that real quick they do such an incredible job with this i really love it like their whole thing is like wear the moment that's that's their um and you know we'll, we will give them because we have a partnership with them so i will give yeah. them a, a free ad right now if, if you want any kind of fun like in the moment topical relevant shirts with your favorite teams with your favorite players any of that kind of shit go to breaking tea immediately breaking tea.com it's breaking and then the letter t.com you've seen us like promote it all the time it's awesome i i have like a bunch of different breaking tea shirts and you can get them for anything like we have them um i think i have like one bama shirt actually but i have like the yes sir arkansas yeah. shirt i've got the purple and gold it says who throws a shoe the t-h-r-e-a-u-x from the florida game last year i've got several florida ones uh, like I have like the Darth um, Gator instead of Darth Vader from Mullen's thing last year. I have a Kentucky one. Like it, they just are really cool. They're really great shirts. They fit really, really well, even for me, yeah. which is saying something. Um, so like you, go check them out in general. I, I got my last one that I got. I got the uh, it's quiet as fuck in here. Trey Young? Tra yeah, I got the Trey oh, Young yeah. one. I got that like immediately when it happened. And then I also got the swing 3-0 from the White Sox when they had that whole debacle with Tony the Rooster a couple weeks ago. Anyway, but it's really cool stuff. Y'all should check them out. And they, they're going to do a great job with this. Absolutely. Um, you got EA Sports coming out. They, they basically are, were kind of like basically saying, hey, July 20th, we got some big news coming with this NIL stuff. My guess yeah. would be that you're going to, instead of having to go to like some Pasta Padre website and download the rosters that – do you remember that? Like, no, you don't, but I guarantee there's some <laughs> listeners that are like, yes, there was this pasta Padre website where you could go and someone there, I don't know why they did it. Cause it's a lot of work, but they yeah. basically put together the real rosters that you could download to play with real names rather than yeah. like tight end number nine catches the ball from QB number five. Right. Um, my guest, July Do you know the tight end number nine, by the way, his grandfather was Jack Nicholas. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> EA Sports, uh, July 20th, they're coming out with an announcement for their new game that they're re-releasing in a couple years. Um, my guess would be that there's going to be like actual player names, and hopefully they'll look like them too. Yeah. Um, that was really the only bad thing about the that game was like you just if you really wanted to be realistic, there was no names or anything like that. So you Dude, know, it was like, all anything. alliteration. Once you start recruiting like in dynasty mode, every single big time quarterback that I had, it was like Terry Trustfall, Victor Vincent like ricky ricardo it was like every single time it was ridiculous did you have any favorite uh, nil deals that you saw the arkansas o-line that got the a whole ass thing with barbecue that was <laughs> awesome okay like that was that was actually really cool because like and that's like what actually gives me hope that all of these kids will get stuff and and that there isn't like like how much is too much for marketing because i i think that it's smart to sign up for a whole deal like that, that's going to run like long-term for you guys. Like if you're a, an athlete, but at the same time, like getting these like one-time deals as well to do, you know, to do different stuff. Like I think like Tate Rutledge and who's the other kid from, uh, from Georgia. Um, he's a big offensive line there. They both got crystal. Um, nice. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, and and so I'm like I'm excited for those type of people, like like the ones that aren't as I feel like O linemen are they always seem to have like some of the best personalities. Like you don't like besides yeah. Richie Incognito, you don't have a bunch of O linemen that you don't want to hang out with. Like there's like they always seem to be, like be pretty funny. Like so it'll be fun seeing like them team up with different people. Um, do you and see then, Trey Knox? Do you see Trey Knox from Arkansas? 
the pet smart thing yeah yeah i love that yeah it's great yeah there's some so, cool stuff going on i i agree um real quick because this is uh um you brought up video games it's national video game day today when we're recording this which is on thursday interesting we've already been recording way too long haven't we um what's your favorite video game of all time i mean ncaa for sure really yeah i mean look you could throw goldeneye um you could Mm. throw mario kart mario kart yeah um the show show. mario kart on the 64 yes it will be the show 2005 Uh, i don't have a specific favorite year because you're stupid i'll be the same um (laughs) but ncaa is probably the best i've always been clearly we're doing a podcast about yeah well it's it's, that's just always been my favorite what about you okay so mine's in mario kart um so on 64 it's it, but like i'm terrible with video games and i'll play them all the time over and over and over again like i remember one time i was supposed to get ready for college i ended up like taking like one of my adderall because like i'm prescribed just to be heads up but i ended up <laughs> i ended up playing i ended up playing Wii tennis or Wii golf for six straight hours like that's a workout it was something it was something that's a great way to lose weight take adderall and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> play a game where you're sure. working out um yeah totally so anyway but no like i love mario kart 64 um that one's great i loved mlb the show 2005 the one with manny ramirez on it you know what i really loved was the mlb game on dreamcast i never had a dreamcast it, not a lot of people did they went away very quickly but they had like the best graphics when they first came out and they just they i think sega just stopped putting money into it um for me, the Sega. um the best game of all time. Uh, I don't well. My favorite of all time, um, Super oh, Mario. Shit. Just the regular Super Mario was great. Hold Uh-oh, on, the ADD kicked in. No, they are releasing credentials for Media Days, and Chris Gordy just texted me and said he got them. And um, you got to go get them now. I don't see mine at all. So. Uh, breaking news on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i didn't get credentialed okay cool anyway um god jesus this is gonna throw me off okay so when you talk about NCAA football the first one i had was on cd-rom oh wow i think i did have one on cd-rom was chris winky on the cover no because i wouldn't have bought it it was danny (laughs) werfel it was danny werfel it was 98 it was NCAA football and i remember all you would do is like like you would hold down one two three like your fingers over that and then you would have like the other fingers over like the arrow buttons and i would just run toss sweeps for days that was it it's also how i learned that no time comes off the clock during an extra point because i was playing a, i was like i was unc in dynasty mode and i was playing florida state and it was like to get to the national championship or something like that and i was i was up by one and i tried to run off the last second on the clock because i had like a last second touchdown and i just started running backwards and then none of the no time, time ran off, and I got a safety and lost. Oh, you you were UNC with uh, top 10, according to PFF, uh, coach Mac Brown. Let's get into was, that. No, let's, let's talk about, before we get there, another cover athlete for NCAA was Reggie Bush. Yeah. Now, they used to be able to get away with it because they would use a player that was already graduated and mm-hmm. had gone on. Uh, I remember one time they used Jared Zabransky, which was yeah. an interesting choice. Um so as we know, with some of this NIL stuff, uh, Reggie Bush lost his Heisman Trophy. Um, he released a statement today, July 1st, the day that NIL went into effect, basically asking for the return of his Heisman Trophy. And the Heisman Trust came out and said, yeah, we'll, we'll reinstate it. Mm-hmm. Only if the NCAA restores your 
vacated records. This this essentially the Heisman Trust was like if like my kid came up to me and asked for something and I was like, go ask your mother. Yeah, go and ask NCAA your mother. Is the mother that rarely makes the right choice for the kids. Right. right. So I don't know if he'll get that back, but you know, back when he was at USC, I mentioned this earlier, him and his family were accused of taking roughly $300,000 from some agents for some marketing deals. It's and, a $600,000 house. Right. But my point is how much do you think that he was worth at that time on the open market? Much more than 300,000. Dude, I had this conversation with Allie last week, and this is something I never thought about until now because we've looked at moving out. Cats out of the bag. We've we we're looking at moving out to California. Um, what? I don't think I don't think we will anytime soon, but like in the future. Yeah, I'm not trying to fucking live in Buckhead with all this crime, um, dude. Come, come <laughs> I'm not me. going to Woodstock. No, like this is like eight years from now. But we've just talked about it. Anyway, bottom line, bottom line. You um, gotta love high taxes. Got to. You you gotta love not taking home all your money. But like. Yeah. But part of this whole, I remember when this came out, it was like, Reggie Bush got a, his parents got a $600,000 house. And it was like, oh, like at the time, I remember people, and I don't remember having an opinion on so it. So they but got maybe a small condo. Yeah. And so people were like freaking out, like $600,000, you bought him a house. Like, that's a mansion. Like, it's a fucking mansion if you live in Wetumpka. Like, yeah. yeah, of course it is. If you live in Loganville, sure. But it's like in San Diego, where he's from, $600,000 isn't shit. My yeah. buddy just bought an apartment, like like a, well, it's a condo. He says we call it an apartment, um, but like, yeah, I mean, so I think that part was like very, very much like, you know, used to the NCAA's advantage, in my opinion. The way they always make things sound way worse. And Jay Billis brought this up the day after, like right away. He was like, "Listen, go ahead and do the right thing. Reinstate Reggie Bush's Heisman." Johnny Menzel followed up and said the same thing. And then he also said, like, "Give the five fab back their their national champion, or not their national championship, but like they're hang the banners back up." I don't, I don't know if I agree with the Fab Five thing. Um, the stuff with Reggie Bush, the, the problem I have with this is I didn't know there was a Heisman Trust that were two separate entities, right? Like, and it makes sense. I just never thought about it that way. So if the Heisman is being given out by, hear me out here, the Heisman Trust, the fact that the NCAA is the deciding factor is yet another fucking example of how corrupt they are and how they have their hands in everything despite ever doing the right thing for the student athlete. And I think that right. when you look at what the what the Heisman's for, people will like look up the actual definition all the time, all kind of shit. It's for the most outstanding player in college football. Reggie Bush was the most outstanding player in college football. And anybody that watched football that season knows that's true. Give him the stupid trophy. If OJ was allowed to have a trophy, give him the trophy. Y'all be totally like, agree. hold on, like for like for fuck's sake, like if you're talking about not giving Reggie Bush his Heisman back, but then having Ty Detmer have a Heisman Trophy, Rashawn Salami, he put he put up two thousand yards, he deserved it. Um, but like like Chris Winkie, no offense, bro, but like if you if you give out Heisman trophies for those fucking people, you know, in 1956, Johnny Majors didn't want a Heisman, and an offensive lineman from Oklahoma came in second. Let's not act like you guys were doing the right thing. Anyway, I'm I'm off on a tangent. <laughs> Anytime you start invoking the 1950s, <laughs> uh, you know the tangent's been hit. No, I mean, look, this is just another. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the NCAA does. Yeah. You, again, they're the mother that rarely makes the right choice for the kids. So the Heisman Trust saying, "Yeah, we'll do it. Just go ask your mom." I don't. I don't know what's going to happen there. But it, now, under the current rules, I mean, Reggie Bush could team up with like a Yoke Gaming and and right. and make money that way playing video games, or, or hell take yoke gaming out of it he could just create his own twitch account 
mm-hmm. and he's got a big enough name. I mean, he was the biggest name in college football in 2005. Yeah. He had so, such a Kim Kardashian. <laughs> great point. Uh, he could do that, or he could he could create his own clothing line. Right. Whatever the hell he wants, and the NCAA can't say shit about it. So no. I love that aspect of it for sure. Yeah. All right, um, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the top coaches here from PFF. We're not here to absolutely demolish PFF. I will do that. Okay. There are certain things that they put out, stats that tell you, you know, maybe they're like stats behind the stats. This is a, a company that kind of looks into like random stats that you probably wouldn't see quoted on like a normal ESPN broadcast or something like that. Yeah. Um, and they, they put out their list of top 20 college football coaches, which, you know, at the top, they start off great. Nick Saban, number one. Dabo Sweeney, number two. Don't think there's a lot of people arguing either one of those. Now, you may have some arguments here from SEC fans, but they got Kirby at three, Lincoln Riley at four, Dan Mullen at five. I think Dan Mullen, again, we've had this conversation before, might be high, but then the list starts to get a little crazy. Yeah. Um. Pat Fitzgerald. I actually think he's probably in the top 10. Northwestern. Think about what Northwestern okay. is. They're basically like an Ivy League school in a sense. Yeah. I mean, one of the best academic schools in the country. And he's, he's got them at the top or near the top of the Big Ten every single year. It's crazy. Okay. But hold on. Here's a stat. From 1892 to 2006, the team played in six total bowl games. They've played in 10 under Pat Fitzgerald. Now, okay, they, from from 1953 to 2006, they only had two finishes inside the AP Top 25. They've had five since 2006 under Fitzgerald. Now, and keep in mind, that, that includes one of the most magical seasons ever in college football, the 1995 Northwestern team that went to a Rose Bowl uh, with Darnell Autry at running back. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like a really – everyone loved that story. Um, and I think – who was the coach then? It was the guy who ended up going to Colorado – he, he looked like the dad from seventh heaven. His name was Gary or something stupid. Hold on. Did his son play QB at Colorado under him? Maybe. Yeah. Let me Google Gary stupid fucking coach. Um, what God. was his name? Well, we shouldn't spend too much. No, time we should not. And I should do a better job at figuring out. Uh, um, anyway, I, I think Gary, really what we Gary Barnett. To... Yes. <laughs> Hello, Gary, Barnett. Gary. Anyway, he does look a lot like that. Anyway, what I want to ask before you continue with the, with the um, the rankings, and this is not me just interrupting you to interrupt you like I usually do. This is like a, a genuine question. Is PFF becoming college football's version of, yeah, they're, they're good and all, but the Beatles aren't the greatest band of all time. Or like the Beatles aren't a top five band of all time. I don't, so maybe not because they still, I think their top five is pretty, I mean, you could make arguments, but okay, well, they're pretty I, set in stone, but I'm it's more like saying, there. it's more like saying Nickelback is a top 10 band. Right, and here's why. And okay, here's sorry. why, because and they've I've got, seen them live. They've got fucking Lance Leopold as number nine overall. Okay. No. So, and this is why I bring it up. I brought up the, the, cause like I, I can easily, like, I don't like the Beatles, but I can, I would definitely say they're a top five band of all time. And I feel like, you're right. You would see something like this, and it's like, here's the top five bands. Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, The Who, Kylie Minogue, and The Cranberries. Blink-182. Right. Like, what? Ha- what is happening here? I love Kylie Minogue. Um, anyway, so after Fitzgerald, he goes Matt Campbell, Iowa State, Kyle Whittingham, Utah, and then the one you brought up. 
So Lance Leopold, who now is the coach of Kansas, he hasn't coached a game there yet. Now, I get that he has an absolutely phenomenal record at D3 Wisconsin Whitewater. Okay, I get that. One or nine and six. That's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But his Division I track record is at Buffalo. 24 and 10. And now he's at Kansas, who is the worst program in the Power Five. Easy. Let's just let the man coach One at game. a high level first before right. we consider him a top 10 coach. He is above Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Jimbo Who has Fisher. the most all-time wins of any coach that's currently in, in the FBS. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, who a lot of people argue is a top five coach. Mac Brown. Tom Allen at Indiana, who to me is doing wonders. And he's proving it at a in a huge conference. He's competing and beating right. huge teams. Um, I mean, James Franklin is what it is. Fucking go you know, in order. What are you doing? I'm just jumping around. Jamie I mean, Chadwell was 11 from Coastal Carolina. Jamie I mean, Chadwell. I've I think they've been good for one year. Yes, that is factual. Um, <laughs> you then you have you have at 12. Um, at 12 you have Brian Kelly. Wrong with this? Brian Kelly at 13 is Jimbo Fisher, who's won a national title and yep. finished number five last year in the SEC. Uh, Mark Stoops in Kentucky. I thought this was kind of cool because he they, he got some 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 love finally. Yeah. But he is a I think he is one game under 500 all time at Kentucky. Um, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. Tom Allen, Indiana. And what this is also starting to scream to me is, all right, like super hipster picks, and let me explain why. And then also, I am an absolute fucking prisoner of the moment of the 2020 season. Right, like, okay, Tom Allen. Uh, it, it, keep in mind a season that um, many people say, eh, I wouldn't really count that as a real season. Sure, Sorry, that's Chris. stupid, but it's fine. <laughs> Jeff Munkin from Army at seventeen. James Franklin at Penn State, eighteen. Billy Napier at Louisiana at nineteen, and PJ Fleck at twenty at Minnesota. Notable people left off this list, Tyler. Okay, Ryan Day. That's and I hate Ohio State. That's the biggest gripe I have. Ryan Day is off this list. Coach O is off this list. Say what you want to about the fall from grace that they had from 2019, 2020. They went five and five last year and had no fucking business doing that. Yeah. So I'm surprised to say the least. Well, he just uh, won a championship two years ago. I mean, right. A national championship. And his record like at LSU is phenomenal. His record against top 10 teams is even better. It's like, I, I have to look at it what it is this year because it obviously has changed, but it was something like outrageous, like 10 and three or something stupid against top 10 teams after he won the national. He beat seven of them in 2019 alone. Yeah. Crazy. So that is very surprising to me. Uh, the Ryan Day thing who lost on a fluke play to Clemson the year before after being undefeated and then also going undefeated. I know it's a shortened season, but then you play in a national championship the year after that. Like, it, you know, I hate on Ohio State all the time. Don't think they should have necessarily been there. But when you have a list of the top 20 head coaches and you have one, two, three, hold on, uh, four. I'm not even including that one. Uh, you have four of the top 20 being group of five schools. And one of them being at 11. 
and then having and then having Lance Leopold, who basically would be the fifth one, so basically a quarter of your entire list being group of five schools. I'm all for those guys getting their due. I, I'm just confused as to why we're doing this. This seems like a very like hipster like. Let me tell you about some stuff that you guys don't know, about, right? That we know about, right? And Lance Leopold's a top ten coach. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope Lance Leopold goes undefeated at Kansas next year. He just <laughs> becomes know. the number one best coach. Uh, so, anyways, interesting list. You know, look, it's the off season. We these are things that we talk about. Yeah. One thing I wanted to jump on before we get into our last drunk history topic of Huey P. Long and news um, is. <laughs> Let's let's talk about recruiting real quick, and it, we don't have to get into the details. But let's just everybody slow up. The devil's in the details, Tyler. The devil is in the details. Uh, let's just slow up on the recruiting, like pumping our chest out a little bit. I, I blame you for this. You put us on Instagram. South they Carolina. just tweeted how it. Let's let's calm down about it. But <laughs> no, yeah, I also did this from the SDS account. And I was like, here's some here's some recruiting stuff. Yeah, South Carolina, you know, they're they're top 15 in recruiting right now. They're number 14. They're above. They're Alabama. one ahead of Alabama. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> so, right? Well, well, and I was thinking about this earlier when we talked about the actual, um, like, you know, it, it, the NFL is a cutthroat business, but I think with this NIL stuff in college football, you're going to start seeing a way more cutthroat business as well because you look at the SEC, there's no better example of it where people are constantly looking forward to the next guy the five-star coming in, the four-star athlete from such and such it's coming in. Like, it's just it, like, get on Twitter, get into any kind of Georgia or Florida mentions ever. And you will, you will hear about it all fucking day. It, it, it's just, it, I, and, and like, for me, what I was trying to bring this up when I was saying like, let's pump the brakes on recruiting. I was saying it because of Ohio state fans talking about how they, they have like five of the top 10 players overall or something like that, yeah, which is incredible, sense. but it's also July. And it's yeah. also a time where we we're coming off a year where no one else, like, like they, a lot of kids didn't even play last year. So we, do we really know who the best players are? And then on top of that, they haven't played a senior season yet. And it's also, if they are good and they're committed to you now, guess what guys, now you got to hold on to them for six fucking months, which is yeah. pretty difficult to do. That's, that's why I'm like, I want to ask the question to you. Like, when, when do we get excited for, for recruiting? You get excited about it in November okay. when the season's coming to an end and you can really kind of say, cause like I'll, I'll be the first to say here Florida state was got as high as number three. I don't know that they're going to keep all these kids when we have a terrible year this year. I'm just right. going to say it. I'm not trying to be like a, you know, someone that like, just like, downturns everything they do so hopefully maybe if something positive happens but wow i'm real surprised yeah no, florida state is gonna be bad this year their roster is terrible they're the, some of these high high ranked players they have aren't gonna stick with the class huh. so let the season play out by the way every single year in recruiting we end up with a top five that is somewhat made up of ohio state alabama yep. clemson georgia LSU. and lsu and and maybe you get a and m up there Right now, only Ohio State is in the top five. You've got A&M at 11, Bama at 15, Clemson at 27. You've got Florida at 24. You've got uh, a team who's recruiting really well over the last three years in UNC at 37. Yeah. These teams are going to be in the top 10 by the end of this. And I don't think it's great for a South Carolina or a Missouri who seem to be really recruiting well right now. I got news for you guys. At least right now, 
where your program's at, you're probably not going to end up in the top okay. 15 recruiting. I'm but I do want to say this on a positive note, since you're being Debbie Downer here. Yeah. For, see, I think it matters for programs like that because you're you're starting to get like I remember in 2008 when Bama signed that first like number one class or top three class, and they had Julio and Mark Ingram and Dante Hightower and all those guys. It was awesome to keep up with. And so if you're a program that's got like, you know, new life in you or new head coach and you're trying to get excited about that, I think it makes total sense. I think it makes total sense uh, for that to happen. Hold on. We got more updates from credentials. Fuck me. Keep going. Um, anyway, so all that stuff. Um, I, I think that hold on, you're going to have to take over here for a second. I'm, I'm like distraught. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to the point you're trying to make here. Okay. All I know is. <laughs> Uh, what I'm trying to make is like South Carolina, Mizzou. You you have a new head coach with Frank Beamer, Frank Beamer, Jesus Christ, Shane Beamer, and then you have Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou. Both those guys are on absolute tears with recruiting. Okay, like Shane Beamer ended. They ended last season. Now I get it. You you've you've changed over coaches. It's an odd year, but they finished 80th last year in recruiting. They're at 14 right now. I don't know if they finished in the top 15, but they've gone this run where they've gotten 10 guys committed. Over the, like over the last couple of weeks, and a lot of them are four stars, like in the class, and that's that's exciting for a program like those programs need it. Now I tip my cap to Georgia fans that keep up with it year round because it's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, but at the same Especially time, these it's like, days, with yeah, decommits and the recommits and the like. All the kind of shit. Admittedly, until it's until the season's over, until it's time to start looking at this shit and like do a podcast on it, I try to stay out as much as possible because like for the most part, these kids never stay committed. And it takes forever to like, you know, throughout a season. Like, I, I don't want to know about like each visit these guys are going on and all that kind of shit. So I, I tip my cap to the to having the persistence to to do that. I just don't know if it's something we should be talking about every fucking day on like, like keeping up with because it's it's just so much. And I don't think we should I, I I genuinely don't think that we need to be excited about it until like you said, November, or when, like I said, like the leaves are changing or like when it, when it truly starts to matter for those type of programs. Yeah. And here's what I'll say with experience behind this, because, and I hate that I always have to bring Florida state up, but everyone knows that's my team. That's where I went to school. I follow them a lot. This is the key mistake that happened with Willie Taggart, because if you go back and look at recruiting um, at the spring game, when he first started, packed out our stadium, which never happens at Florida State for spring right. games, had a who's who of who is now like a really good player in the NCAA. Kayvon Thibodeau was there. Kobe Dean. A ton of five stars. And those kids were saying, hey, I really like Florida State. But but Willie Taggart was saying, look, this is not a, a rebuild. This is just a retool. And we're going to be back at it this year. The first game we went out there, we got our asses whooped by Virginia Tech. Is that the Black None of those kids. None of those kids wanted to go to Florida State after that because he sold the wrong message. Right. If you're a South Carolina fan, you got to hope that Shane Beamer's out there saying, look, we're going to be, maybe you don't want to trash your own team. Right. And this is what I hope Mike Norvell's doing because we're in the top five right now. Hey, look, we're not going to be great yet, but you guys are going to be my first class that's going to turn this thing around. Yeah. You got to stick with us if it's a bad year. And I'll show you where we're making incremental steps to get better, but you got to stick to the message and you got to stick. You can't oversell, oversell and underdeliver. And if you want to have hope right. if you're in South Carolina, I mean, Boston College is fucking number 13. You think they're going to have a top 15 recruiting class? Come yeah, on. absolutely. Rutgers, number 12. Um, what? Yeah. If you are a fan of those programs, you you got to hope that your coach is 
has the right message with these kids that'll actually get them to stick when you inevitably have a pretty bad year because, hey, mm-hmm. you're a first-year coach coming off of a fired coach. So clearly, your team's probably not going to be good this year. Right. So that's all I'm saying. Don't get don't don't, don't get too excited yet. Well, there is hope if your if your coach has the right message to these recruits. I I think that I love what Shane Beamer's doing there. Hasn't coached a game yet, but I love what he's doing there at South Carolina. And I, and I think I think things will be good in Columbia. And like again, in a program like that where you've gone through some shit with Will Muschamp and you've gone through some shit with Ray Tanner as your AD and and not in a rude way, Carolina fans, but for whatever reason, they feel like they should be competing for division titles every year because they got to taste that under Spurrier. Like, it's exciting to be back in, like, any kind of national news, right? Like, it's, so I, I totally get it from that. I, I just think that for your own health and sanity, guys, let's just, I mean, <laughs> pace yourselves. <laughs> All right, so two quick updates, and then we'll go into drunk history couple intra-conference transfers that to make note of Demetrius Robinson goes from Georgia to Auburn and today just now breaking just saw it that LSU tackle Dare Rosenthal projected starter at left tackle for them is transferring to Kentucky yeah so a uh, big pickup for Mark Stoops and the crew and I'm gonna let you get in drunk history it's pouring down rain and my dogs are outside so I'm gonna let you start and I gotta let them in okay gross um all right so this week we are. This was actually given to us by the birthday boy, Mickey Sheremy, one of my good friends. Uh, we've met from the podcast um, and then also just, you know, in general now. Really good guy. Anyway, so he brought up the question. He's like, what if we talk about on this week? We ask you guys every week to bring up uh, a different topic. And this week was, what about Huey P. Long? Huey P. Long and his involvement at LSU. And when he said the name, I was like, who is this again? Because I know I've heard it before. Fan, like fantastic and absolutely fascinating story of a guy named Huey P. Long. Um, and I'll give you some background on him real quick. All right, so this is just the Wikipedia page. There, there's, it's honestly almost too much to even get into because he he has such a ridiculous, um, you know, history. I guess and historical impact. All right, so uh, Huey P. Long was, I believe, he was a senator, but also a governor in the state of Louisiana. Hold on, we're going through all this stuff. Um, Okay, he, yeah, he was the governor of Louisiana, 24 and 28. He was a senator as well. He was corrupt as shit, okay? So this guy was also the president, I believe, the president, I believe, of this, of Louisiana State University, okay? Um, I, I know that I'm, like, butchering part of this, and people are going to get mad. Uh, never went to LSU. He went to Tulane, Oklahoma Baptist, and the University of Oklahoma. Uh, but anyway, okay. So his legal career, he did some stuff in that, blah, blah, blah. 24 election. He is announced his candidacy as governorship of Louisiana. He stumped throughout the state, personally distributing circulars and posters, blah, blah, blah. Denounced Governor Parker as a corporate stooge. Ended up getting the governor, uh, the governorship. Oh, God. Um, The Ku Klux Klan's prominence in Louisiana was the campaign's primary issue. This is a lot. We're going through a lot right now. Anyway, the bottom line is this guy had an incredible impact on the state of or on, on Louisiana State University. And this is why I bring it up. Um, he was he he wanted to have. He wanted to have an increase of funds at Louisiana or at, I keep saying Louisiana at LSU. Right. Um, he wanted to have a, an increase of funds to where they were going to start putting more into the university. And he wanted to have a first rate football team. So what did he start doing? He increased their budget to $9 million a year, 
in the 1920s, an increase of $2.8 million at the time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it says his hyperactive attempts to control the football program at LSU have become a part of Louisiana folklore. He assumed the role of honorary coach on Saturdays, giving locker room pep talks, diagramming plays, and generally interfering with the coaching staff. Long exuberantly brought water, towels, ice packs to his young years. I didn't know they had ice packs back then. Um, he even turned a spare bedroom in the governor's mansion into a makeshift infirmary for injured players. Incredibly, this is real. All right. Long approached a referee during halftime of the 1930 LSU Arkansas game and announced as governor, I protest your calls. I don't mind you penalizing LSU, but penalize us in midfield. Don't do it. When we're down on the goal line. Okay. <laughs> the referee apparently heated the romance romance. I don't know that word is of a man notorious for exacting harsh vengeance upon his enemies for there were no penalties called at LSU during the second half. There's a famous, famous video, or I'm sorry, picture of him literally walking arm in arm with the refs <laughs> like, from this game. It's incredible. Okay. Um, so that's one of the things he did. The other part that he had was he asked for money specifically for, and I really hope I don't, I don't uh, butcher this because it's really is fascinating and I should have looked it up beforehand. Um, but they, he wanted to have this increase in funding for the actual uh, football program. And they were, they were, they told him no, basically. Right. So when he was in, in 1928, LSU was a small time country school. Uh, the annual operating budget was only $800,000. Okay. So he turned LSU by 1936 in having the finest facilities in the South, had a top notch faculty of 394 professors, a new medical school an increase of up to 6,000 students. They only had 1800 before a winning football team. And in only eight years, he had risen the, the university size from 88th in the country to 20th and the 11th largest state school in America to generate excitement for LSU. Long's first step was to quadruple the size of the marching band. They went from 28 to 125. Okay. Um, develop a first rate football team. He became the state's most prominent tiger fan. All the other stuff I already told you about. He financed these improvements by arranging the state to purchase acreage from the LSU campus. Okay. Very, very corrupt. And what he ended up doing was he, they, he asked for money to build a stadium. They told him no. So they said they have to do it for um, like, it needs to be for like dormitories. It needs to be for like part of like the university and stuff like that. So he literally built in dormitories on the side of the fucking stadium. So up until the late eighties, you could actually live in a dorm that was inside of Tiger Stadium. And then they built on top of that more and more, you know, as the years went on and they had, uh, what do you call it? And like they built on top of it like, and made the stadium go higher and higher on each side, all that kind of shit, like the grandstands. And that to this day, the angle of what those bleachers were built on is the reason why Death Valley gets so loud at night. Partially because Hugh P. Long was a corrupt asshole. And what <laughs> basically took this money. Uh, it, but it's it's an incredible story, like for real. Like I think he also did something. Um, yeah, so he, he used to also uh give like like train tickets to to students like that want to travel to like to no, to, train. What like Is the band, band train? No, I don't know. Like the actual like you talking about drops of Jupiter train? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> hell right, hell, brother. Yeah, hell right, dude. Um what was the song they had that was the worst song ever? Hey, soul sister. God, that song was awful. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's ruining. So, uh, so Long was trying to uh, give money to a away game at Vanderbilt University in Nashville to boost the team's morale in 1934. 
he arranged for several trains to carry the entire student body there for, for the game, the entire student body. So not unlike how Vanderbilt hosts games today where they are just absolutely overshadowed by the opposing team. He gave $7, which at the time, if I'm looking at this correctly, is $130 million in today's money uh, to any student needing uh, That's a joke, guys. Um, any student needing it in order to go to the game. He accepted IOUs for the amount. Eventually, he ran out of money, <laughs> turning to LSU President Smith, said, Jimmy, you got any money? And he produced a big roll of bills, and the dole continued. It's just, it, it really is, it's a funny story for all of his stuff that he impacted by basically just being a, like, who's the guy from uh, the TV show Friday Night Lights? Buddy, uh, Buddy Garrity. Oh, yeah. That's basically who he was, but at a governor level. And it's, it's kind of funny to see like how much of an impact he, he had over time, like from shit he was pulling like behind the scenes. It's, it's, it's I don't know. It's really cool. But yeah, go look up Huey P uh, long and Huey Lewis in the news. One of those guys is really good at music. <laughs> Hey, that's going to be the episode today. We really appreciate you tuning in. Chris needs to go uh, figure out his credential. I uh, get it. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. Tough. Yeah. Not tough great. scene. Tough scene. But, hey, look, we want to end uh, on a high note. So go to iTunes. Go to Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars. Give us a review if you would. That'd be great. You can go on Twitter. It's at CFE underscore uncensored. And for Chris, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.